So that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men, but avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law, for they Teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. 
fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council, the Council of Chalcedon. These fathers came together to proclaim with one voice that Christ is indeed fully God and fully man. He is both completely one with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and completely one with us and our humanity. And they came together to fight against the heresy that had arisen that said that God only had one nature, and he was just divine. In this case, he was almost human, but not the same as us. And so the fathers came together and said, unanimously, God is fully human as well, as being fully divine. It's fitting and right that the church continues to commemorate these councils and to remember the heresies that were fought, because they remind us of who God is. In that fourth ecumenical council, we find not only that God is fully, has a full divine nature and full human nature, what does that mean about who God is? It means that God, in his great love, in his compassion, and in his humility, he became completely like us. Not almost like us, not in an image that's similar to us, but completely like us. He completely humbled himself. And so we learn from this council the nature of who God is. There's a great heresy in the Christian world today regarding who God is. It has permeated the Christian West and come into the Orthodox Church. This heresy is that God's love is fickle. He only loves me when I do what he says. Now you'll find no explicit teaching of this heresy. There's no arch-heretic who espouses this viewpoint. There's no schismatic group that has this as their teaching. Rather, it's a heresy that has crept right into the heart of so many of us. God's love is fickle. He only loves me when I do what he says. There's much, quote-unquote, proof for this. If we're looking for it, we turn to the Old Testament and we see ways in which God acts that are hard to understand. We decide that he must be angry and vindictive, even a tyrant who demands obedience and punishes the disobedience. We say, Lord, have mercy, and are thinking of it as a way to placate God. Maybe if I say, Lord, have mercy enough, he'll forgive me for the ways that he wants to punish me. You know how seductive this way of thinking is. Right now, as I'm saying it, you're conflicted inside of you about wanting, not wanting to believe it, and yet the sentiment is so very familiar to us. We believe that God's love is fickle. We still accept that God is all-powerful. He created us and that he sustains the world. But we have an agony feeling that he doesn't really love me. Then we hear the gospel today. And the gospel says, Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come, I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. If we have this little heresy, this nagging thought in our head that God's love is fickle, then we really need to follow his commandments. We hear that passage and we go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? 
least of these commandments, all of those commandments of the Old Testament, I need to follow. My brothers and sisters, we must recognize that this is the wrong view of God. We must flee from this heresy. This is not the God who has revealed himself to us. It's a distortion. It's brought about by many things, by wrong views about the atonement, by our lack of understanding about how evil exists and how God works in the world, and especially by our own fallen human relationships, our parents and our loved ones, who have taught us that love is indeed fickle, it's contingent, it can evaporate when we mess up. God loves us. It's in his very nature. He never ceases to love us, no matter how much we mess up. It is who God is that he loves us. And we look no further than the services of the church to see this. In the liturgy, for you are a good and merciful and loving God. For you are a good God who loves mankind. In Greek, the word so often is philanthropos, like philanthropy, the one who loves mankind. This is who God is. This is not an emotion that he might have sometimes. It's not a thought in his head that passes and goes away. It's not something that we can earn or garner or lose. It is who he is. God is love. After communion, when I raise the chalice one last time before the people, I say, Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. Have you ever thought about that? Your inheritance. That's what you are. We are all God's inheritance. What is an inheritance? It's something of value. And it's something that is deserved to the person receiving it. And it's a given. It's not like an inheritance just disappears. It's this thing that is given. This is how God views us. It's a statement about how God views us. We are his inheritance. We are that thing that he longs for and desires. Each and every one of us. My brothers and sisters, we have to relearn who God is. When that nagging heresy of God's fickle love comes into our mind, we must push it out. We read passages like the gospel today and think it's an immense burden that's expected of us. And if we fail to see, if we fail, we see the punishment we'll get. This is the way that we look at these passages. We have to say, no, this is not who God is. We think of the commandments as hurdles, or as roadblocks, or even as hoops that we have to jump through to be a good servant of God. Salvation is the light at the, at the end of a long tunnel. And to get there, we have to do all these commandments. St. Paisios describes that kind of spiritual life, this wrong way of the spiritual life. I read this last night for those of you who are at the Women's Fellowship. He says, when we feel anxiety in our spiritual struggle, we must know that we are not moving within the realm of God. God is not a stifling tyrant. We should all strive with philokimo, which is that self-sacrificial love, and according to our own strength. It is by cultivating philokimo that we grow in our love for God. When our efforts are driven by philokimo, our prostrations and fastings will be pure outbursts of love. 
spiritual battle. In other words, we should not be pedantic, rigidly stressing minor things in our struggle and suffocate from anxiety, struggling with various thoughts. We should simplify our efforts and put all our hope in Christ rather than in ourselves. Christ is full of love, kindness, and consolation. He will never stifle us. He gives us abundant oxygen and divine comfort. There's a clear difference between the kind of spiritual work that is prudent and deep and the kind that is characterized by an unhealthy fastidiousness and overscrupulousness. Being full of internal anxiety, the second kind of spiritual work suffocates and represses us. Its external and indiscriminate pressure is like a migraine beating inside our heads. This is the voice of God doesn't really love me. The answer to that nagging voice is, I need to do more. I need to do more, then God will love me. But that's not actually the answer. The answer is, is before that, saying, no, God does really love me. God does really love me. If he loves me, then what? Rather than, how can I get God to love me? So we see in light of that that the commandments, they're not hurdles. The commandments, rather, are surgical tools. You see, God doesn't want us to just follow random rules so that he can test us. But rather, he wants to see us heal. He gives us the commandments so that we can learn to love exactly as he loves. To forgive as he forgives. To have compassion as he has compassion. And when we fall short, we say, Lord, have mercy. Not because God is offended and angry, because we want to placate him. We say, Lord, have mercy because we are recognizing that we've left God's loving embrace. And we want to go back to God's loving embrace. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now there's that wrong voice in our head that says, wow, that's like another commandment. If you love me, then you have to keep my commandments. You can almost imagine some petulant young woman saying, if you really loved me, you would, da da da. And we put that on God. He's not saying yet another command or a threat, if you love me. Rather, he's describing things as they are. It's like saying, if a plant is healthy, it will bear fruit. Is that a threat or a command? No, it's just a statement of fact. If a plant is healthy, it will bear fruit. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He is saying it as a statement of fact. Why? Because the commandments are the way through which we love God. They are the way through which we learn what love is. And share that love with those around us and with God. And it's not a love of self-centeredness. In today's gospel, he talks about how he is the fulfillment of the commandments. And then right after that, the part that we don't read, the rest of it is the chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew. He has this whole series of things where he says, you have heard it said. And then he says, but I tell you, listen to some of these. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, to not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Is love like God's love. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies 
bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, these commandments, what do they do in us? It's not that God is giving us rules that we have to follow. What happens to us when we do what he's saying there? We become the forgiveness that God has. We become the compassion that God has. He wants to heal us, and so he gives us his commandments. He wants to see us whole and in his embrace. And brothers and sisters, we have to hold fast to the truth and doctrine that God's love is unwavering. He has given us so many tools to help us love just as He loves. This is the God whom we know, not the God that we have in the voice in our head telling us that He really doesn't love us, that we really need to try harder to get His love. This is the God that's revealed in all of the services of the church. And may the love of God abide in us through this commandment.